guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, where we're talking about following Jesus in an anxious post-Christian age. This week's episode is actually a recording of a True North Worship Night talk that I did here at uh, one of the events we host here at our church. And it has to do with taking the question of discipleship and our daily habits down to our everyday relationship to technology and helps us think a little bit more carefully about how our daily routines shape our hearts. I hope you find it helpful. Can you uh, put out the the last verse one more time real quick that we just sang? Not the chorus, but the verse. Really amazing words. You know, one of the things that has been most exciting about just growing spiritually uh, in the last few years for me personally is, you know, a lot of us were raised in the church. You hear this stuff a lot and you become numb to the actual beauty of it, the richness. And oftentimes what we need to do is stand back and be like, this is real. You know, like, do you, do we believe this when I stand before the throne at last? Like, you know, Pastor Curtis read that passage, like the whole world is going to come to an end. Every one of us will stand before a holy God. That is terrifying because we are all sinners, right? And when I stand before the throne at last, his blood will plead my innocence and I will worship him with holy hands. That's a miracle. And raise the song that never ends of Jesus Christ, my righteousness. Like if we believe that, if we like truly know that that's true, like, you know, can I get an amen? I mean, that's amazing, right? Like we need to learn to see the beauty, rediscover the power, the, the, the color, the, the, the flavor, the brightness of the story of the Bible. You know, that's one of the, that's one of the hacks life hacks of spiritual growth these days. Like what, that, what, what we need, our generation, you know, I, I'm kind of starting at the beginning with the thing that I'm going to end with today, but um, think about what we're singing. Think about what we're talking about and ask yourself, is this even real? Like what is real? What is reality? You know? Um, I'm always excited to talk about something, whatever, you know, whatever we do these things and I get to talk I'm always excited because I kind of get to bend the rules a little bit and you get to talk about subjects and show pictures of stuff that you wouldn't do at a Sunday service, uh, but is very practical and relevant to us. It's funny thing is, like, this is, like, real. Like, so last, uh, so last, like, January, like, way back, this year, in January, me and Vlad got together and we were planning, if some of you know, we had a True North Young Adults Conference last year in the summertime. And so we were planning the next conference, which was going to take place back in September before we all, you know, knew that COVID was going to happen. And, and the, the topic that we had chosen was uh, surviving the apocalypse. And we chose that topic in January and then... Like, the apocalypse hit. So, like, it's been, it's been a crazy year, and it's been kind of amazing to, like, think about this and to just realize, you know, in a way, it's tragic and crazy what we see in the world, but in a way, like, God has a sense of humor, you know? Um, none of this is surprising to God. None of this is, you know, phasing Him. So, what I want to talk about today, if you guys saw the title of the sermon, uh, is... 
um, you know, basic instructions for surviving the 2020 apocalypse. We're deep into this thing. 2020 can't get crazier. And the moment I say that, I say I probably shouldn't have said that because something else is going to happen. You know, you don't know what's coming around the corner. And I think that most of us, when we're thinking about this year and like, geez, man, like the combination of things that have happened to destabilize the whole world, not just American culture, like you could not have planned that. Um, and so when we're thinking about this, you're pr- most of us are probably thinking, okay, like, you know, how do we get through, like, the next crazy thing that's happening? <clears throat> like, so right now, we've got the elections coming up. You know, people are angry, divided, hate each other. But when, my, when I'm talking about um, making it through this season in our culture, what I want to do is kind of zoom out a little bit and look at, maybe, like, take a deeper look at why is the world as crazy as it is today? What are some of the contributing factors that are feeding into the insanity and, and, and those factors that are part of our everyday life today? The thing that I want to, what I wanted to zoom in today in my short talk is to consider how our heart our desires, our, the seat of our emotions, our will, how your heart is interacting with everything that is happening around us. And one of the main mediums that, that we're interacting through is through technology, right? So when you think of anything that happened in 2020, you're, you're probably remembering a picture or a quote or a phrase or a news article, headline, that you saw on a screen. Almost everything that we have lived through in 2020 came to us through a glowing screen. So when we're looking at the craziness of the world around us, one of the things that is the glue that holds all of culture together today is how digital technology is working around us and how it shapes our hearts. And that's kind of what I wanna focus on and see how does our heart interact with technology today, and how is this connected to the broader craziness of political division, racial unrest, all the stuff that we see around us. So when I talk about digital technology, I am talking in the broadest sense. I'm not just talking about social media. I'm not just talking about Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm talking about everything, your entertainment, your Netflix, everything that comes to you through a screen. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in our daily lives today that comes to us through a screen. And, and I think that this is probably one of the most overlooked things for us today. As we consider all the problems, we're looking at the problems individually, but we don't consider the whole and how it all fits together. So I want to dive into this topic by first quoting, uh, <clears throat> quoting uh, a phrase from Elon Musk. Uh, from earlier this year when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he was talking about coronavirus and talking about a bunch of stuff, technology. And this is what Joe Rogan says. Or no, not Joe Rogan. Elon Musk. Elon Musk says, in the next five to ten years, talking will be optional. So he says this in an interview when he sits down. They talked about a lot of stuff, two and a half hours, like those Joe Rogan interviews, they're all really interesting, but man, who can sit through all those? I don't know. 
You have to have a job where you basically listen to podcasts all day. Um, and so, so he's, he says this, and, it's, and, and the reaction from Joe on the other side of the table is like, wow, man, that's too soon. That's crazy, you know? And so he goes on, and he's expanding, and he's explaining that this is just the tip of the iceberg. In this interview, Elon Musk is talking about his, and probably some of us have heard about Neuralink. It's a, it's a company that he's started, and it is a technology that is designed to interface with the human brain and that allows humans to control technology with their thoughts. And this is real. Um, these are diagrams, you know, it's an implant that kind of sits behind the ear, but it's these little wires, these probes that go into your brain. So Elon Musk predicts, and again, predicts, it's a, it's a you know, relative concept here, but he predicts a total brain interface in the next 25 years. And Joe says, Total brain interface? Like, what do you mean? And uh, Elon Musk says, it's where almost all of the neurons of your brain are connected to an AI extension of yourself so that more of you is in the cloud than in your body. That sounds whack. That sounds crazy, right? But a lot of things that Elon Musk has said that sounded crazy, he just went and did it. So... It's an interesting moment to think and to consider with all the craziness going on. Here's a crazy question that maybe you haven't considered yet, right? If you had the option to upload yourself to the cloud and to live more in your digital universe than in your physical body, would you do it? Would you do it? Now, most of us are probably like, oh, obviously not. I, I, you know, it's just fake. You know, it's technology. Real life is real. Technology is fake. But, you know, I want you to hold on to your answer for a minute because we will come back to it. Most of us, I don't know, has anybody, I, I feel like I'm dating myself if I said uh, most of us who grew up on the Matrix movies uh, probably never predicted this, but does any, you know, has, has this generation watched the Matrix movies? No? Yeah? Who watched the Matrix movies? Raise your hand. Okay, we're, yeah, less than half though, that, that, that shows something. I don't know when they were made, but it's like, it was a cool thing back when I was a teenager. Um, you know, those of us who grew up on those movies did not probably predict to hear these kind of headlines in our lifetime, right? But, and so, you know, I'm one of the first people that are skeptical, like of uploading yourself to the brain, come on, whatever. So Elon Musk pushes on, and he, he keeps talking in this interview, and he says that if you look today at our current relationship to technology, we're, he says we're already part cyborg. And I, I love that, the, the extreme word choice that he uses. We are already part cyborg. What is a cyborg, you ask? Do, those of us who are not Marvel or DC comic fans might not know what a cyborg is. A cyborg is part human part machine, right? So it's when, it's when a human being connects machines to themselves to be part of their body, right? And that sounds crazy, and we're like, whoa, that's cool, you know, Robocop, or probably this generation doesn't know what Robocop is either. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's comic book stuff. Well, actually, not exactly. This dude is the world's first uh, registered cyborg. Uh, he's, I think he lives in the UK, and he's in the United, uh, United Nations or United Kingdom government 
registration as the world's first cyborg. This guy uh, connected a, a device into his brain permanently, and it, it, uh, it allows him to see colors, because he's colorblind, but it also allows him to see colors that other people don't see. It allows him to receive messages and play music directly into his brain. And it has a USB attachment, so that's, that's very important, right? So this guy is real. When I first read about this guy, I thought it was like a fake, it was a joke, it was a fake uh, news thing. But he's real, he's in the Berlin University uh, Development Department of Cyborg Technology or something like that. It's a real thing. So we look, look at something like that and we're like, okay, that's extreme though, right? I mean, we're not sticking antennas into our heads. Um, yet, but if we pause and look at our connection, connection and, and relationship to our phone, uh, our technology, whatever technology you like to use, um, what kind of relationship is that? Elon Musk says you're already part cyborg. If you carry your phone and if you are missing your phone, He's, it's like you have missing limb syndrome. It's like a part of you that's gone. This, this feeling of anxiety wells up if your battery dies, right? It's like, where, like, it's like an involuntary thing. Like I didn't, you know, I was loading my car last night working super late and my battery died. It's like 1130, I'm at home. Like I don't need my phone. And, and it was like this weird moment. It's like, whoa, it's dead. Like what do I do? It's like I didn't think about that. But because of our daily habits and the way we use technology, it is becoming wired into our feelings, emotions, and it actually starts to rewire how we perceive life around us. So some of you guys may have seen the documentary on Netflix, which I highly recommend everybody watch. It's called The Social Dilemma. And it's basically made by these leaders of Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, these guys who have left those companies, who are speaking out and saying that these technologies are very powerful. They're way more powerful than you guys think. And they are basically analyzing all of your movement, all your activity online, and they are, they are building AI simulations of you. They're, the machines behind those screens know more about you than you know about yourself. And they feed you information that keeps you scrolling, keeps you interested, keeps you hooked, keeps you looking at the screen. It's an interesting, it's an interesting, like it, disturbing, but eye-opening documentary to watch. And it really highlights, it makes you think when you see that, and then you see all the crazy social unrest, the, 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 the division, the anger, and you start to wonder how does our daily use of technology and how does our daily use of social media and stuff like that, how is it impacting our hearts? How is it impacting who we are and how we see the world around us? So obviously technology is a tool. It's not, it's not evil in and of itself, right? The core of what is broken in this world when we look at the world around us, it comes from the human heart, right? So. Our sinful human heart, its brokenness, its rebelliousness, is what drives the messed up world that we see today. When you're looking at the headlines and you're freaking out, what is going to happen with this election? What is the future of this country? Um, the, the thing that's driving the brokenness is the sinful human heart. But when you look at today and you look at the current cultural difficulties the outrage, the division, the violence, we are re witnessing something that 
is kind of unique in history. It is kind of an apocalypse of our own making because in many ways, the way that we are interacting with these technologies and these guys, these tech leaders, they're all, that's what they're saying. They're saying this technology is making people addicted to their own opinions, to their own emotions, to their self-centered mindset, and it keeps them addicted to the technology that's making them more and more extreme, more and more angry, more and more isolated, more and more depressed. And oftentimes this is happening in ways that we're not aware of. We're, more, we're looking at the screen. We're looking at, oh my gosh, the election. Oh my gosh, coronavirus. Oh my gosh, racism. That stuff is real, right? But what fuels the division that we see today? So again, when we look at a biblical storyline, what is the human heart craving? When we look at our hearts, Oftentimes, we are stuck chasing all these goals, right? You have all these things that's going to make you happy. But, but we often do not pause and ask myself, what, what am I chasing? What is driving me? What is, what is the thing that I long after, the thing that I think will make me satisfied, happy, at peace with myself? Because from a biblical angle, uh, as Pastor Curtis read in that passage, the driving force is the sinful desires of men, right? We are always seeking to establish our own lordship, our own sense of satisfaction, our own sense of uh, purpose in life outside of God. That is like, the, that's the drive of the human heart. I want to be my own little God, and I will make my life happy if I have that good career, that money, that pleasure, that girl, that religious life, that family, whatever it is, right? We are chasing these things, but in this whole process, I am trying to be my own God. I am trying to recreate, to establish my own Eden, right? That's the drive of all people. That's, that's, that's how your heart works as a human being. That's what the Bible says. Now think about how technology has has been married to the human heart. Let's just think about that for a moment. With this hungry heart that we all have for affirmation, for success, for belonging that we all have, we, we, we then all of a sudden in the palm of our hands have this technology that is limitless, right? We have the universe in our hands. And not only that, this, this, especially the social media universe, think about it. It gives you endless possibilities to recreate yourself, to put a vision of your life to the world around you that is a certain way that you want to be seen, right? It gives you endless opportunities to be entertained by exactly the kind of show or YouTube video or whatever vlog that you like. Whatever it is that you desire, it's out there, and it will come to you faster than you can even find it. Because the computer behind the screen knows what you like. It literally gives us, technology literally gives us this ability to recreate how we perceive the world. Especially when you look at like polls done, how much does the average young adult and teenager spend looking at a screen? How many hours? How much the average American spend watching TV? It's something crazy like six hours a day or something. 
Think about how this relates to this hungry human heart that we all are broke, uh, born into this world with a broken heart that, that seeks to run from God. If you don't like something, you could swipe away. If you don't like how you look, you can retake that selfie and put the extra eyebrows and big lips on there. Like, I mean, it, there's, there's, a, oh, there's, a, there's a term that plastic surgeons now have. Shoot, what is it called? Selfie syndrome or something like that, where young girls are coming to plastic surgeons. They're, they're asking to be made to look more like the selfie filter than like they are in real life. It's a real thing that doctors are dealing with. So, the, 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 the allure of technology is not just a bad habit. It's not just a, a thing that takes up all your time, right? Let's think about this. As, as broken humans with a heart that's hungry for affirmation and satisfaction, we, ha- we gotta realize that technology, it is the ultimate opportunity to, to have an Eden of our own creation, Right? It, it completely changes the way we interface with reality, with the world around us. Most of the information that we get about the world, like ha- has anybody physically touched a real newspaper in the past month in this room? Okay, we have two people right there. Yeah, three, right? Like think about it. Everything that we get comes through a screen. It's the ultimate opportunity that human beings in all of the history of humanity uh, have to recreate our world, right? So, and it's happening constantly to us without us realizing it. So, so <clears throat> how, how does it work, right? In, in a practical, simple way, just running through it. Like, I desire, what do I desire? I desire to belong. I desire affirmation. I desire a sense of meaning. I want to stand for something. I don't want to just live a meaningless life, right? I want to be angry about something. Uh, I want significance, I want to matter. Like, I don't want my life to just be a waste. I want to feel like my life is significant, right? So you get these basic hungers of the human heart and, and a, a very smart, sophisticated machine that knows how to figure out exactly how to give you exactly the flavors of affirmation, belonging, sense of meaning, and significance that you crave but the, but the whole process, it's like giving all these things to us on steroids, our sinful human heart. But, it's, but again, when we look at us following our sinful desires, it's like drinking salt water, right? You're never satisfied. Who's ever satisfied with having the perfect amount of affirmation, the perfect amount of likes, the perfect amount of comments, you look so amazing, or you're so cool, or you have so much money, or you have such amazing abs, whatever, right? Nobody is ever done. It's like salt water. You're just like drinking and drinking and drinking. And so that starts to transform. Your search for belonging then turns into passion, then anger, then outrage, right? Your search for affirmation from people turns into anxiety, turns into depression, turns into self-hatred, right? Your perspective of people around you have different perspectives. It, it goes from disagreement to dislike to hatred to truly believing that they're dangerous. When you give the sinful human heart everything it craves, it grows like a monster. And then we look at the world today. It's tearing apart at the seams. You might say, well, I'm not on my phone that much. I actually deleted all my social media accounts this month, right? 
It, good for you, but you live in a world that is addicted to technology. Every single one of us, this is all of our problem. And it's not just a technology problem. Again, what I want to look from a biblical perspective is this, it's a human heart problem. This is the world we live in. This is why our world feels so crazy right now. Our world is drowning in its own addiction to its own sinful desires. So when, most of the time, when we're looking at, you know, movies of the apocalypse, you got like Terminator and stuff like that. You got these machines coming down and taking over the world. They're overpowering human strength. We can't, they're stronger than us. They're smarter than us. We're trying to fight them and they're just coming in and just, they beat us, right? But, but what we don't realize is that when we look at the world today, the machines are overpowering not human strength, but human weakness, and we are destroying our own world by our own crazy, restless hearts. So back to that question, would I upload myself to the cloud? Um, that's not like the accurate question that's going to determine what your reaction will be when Elon Musk does make that thing and plug it into people's heads. The question today is how much of your sense of identity... <clears throat> is tied to your use of technology today. How much of your identity comes from your digital self rather than from your everyday physical self? What does your screen time report say? That doesn't lie. Screen time doesn't lie. Can't get around that, right? How much does your digital existence compete with your physical existence? What is, do I prefer? What takes more of my time and energy what brings me my more joy and self-worth? As I was thinking about this stuff, it was interesting. Andy Minio tweeted this out. And he's like, it's pretty cool because I'm like, oh, I'm not crazy. Somebody's saying the same thing. He says, 100% serious when I say this. I think we're coming to a place where our online versions of ourselves are more valuable than who we are in real life. Honestly, I think if people were given the option which world to live in 100% of the time, would they choose online? So he's asking the same exact question. This is, this is our world today, right? Which of myself do I prefer? Or another way to ask the question is, um, what would happen to my life if every screen in my life suddenly turned off permanently? What would happen to my sense of identity? Sure, like maybe you'd have a lot more time on your hands. But the deeper question, what would happen to your sense of identity, your sense of worth, your sense of direction in life, your purposes, your goals? The simple fact is that most of our world is addicted to technology. This is the world we live in. As Christian disciples, we're going out into a world that is like this. The next generation, you know, where this is a kind of a young adults crowd, the next generation behind us is way more seeped in the technology world than even we were as we were growing up. So this is our reality. And these tools, they're not just tools, they have become things that have rewired our hearts, our identities, our sense of purpose, our sense of truth. So even though most of us would say, no way, I would never upload myself, when you look at the way people live their daily lives, they prove otherwise. They already live in the digital world more than they live in the physical world. They don't know how to talk. They don't have a good conversation. High schoolers today are going on less dates than they've ever gone on. You know, like people are just losing their ability to connect with other humans in physical sense, right? 
So, you are answering the question, would I upload myself with Elon Musk into the cloud? You're, 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 ask, you're answering that question, not with your lips, you're answering that question with your daily habits today. And all that we're talking about it today, right? Oh, uploading to the cloud, AI, all this crazy stuff. You guys, we have to understand, technology is accelerated at, accelerating today. It's accelerating continually at an insane rate. What we see today is not what's going to be in 10 years, right? How quickly did the iPhone change the whole world? And that, that just like, it's only in the past 10, 15 years. That's it, right? Technology is only going to get more powerful. And so, as disciples of Jesus in a crazy world, our ability to understand our world, to understand people around us, is going to be more and more tied to how we see the human heart working. So, AI, think about AI. Think about all the virtual reality and, and being able to just put on a headset that takes you into a different world. Think about today we have, we have a problem with sex trafficking. We have a problem with pornography in our culture. Think about what that's going to happen on steroids when, a, when uh, AI and VR become even more developed. Like our world is going crazy, right? So we will continually be met by, like, like from here on out, the challenge of the Christian disciple is that we are continually met with glittering screens that promise you that the world inside the screen is more interesting, more amazing, more meaningful than the real world around you. And it's so easy to believe that lie because your life in the digital universe doesn't require grace. It doesn't require heart transformation. It just requires swiping and clicking and making the type of image of myself that I like. So, the question that we have to answer as Christians today in a technologically transforming world is what is going to be the primary shaper of my heart going forward? What are the forces that are changing and transforming my heart today? Because the world of technology that we live in rewires your heart desires without you even realizing it. Proverbs 4.32 says, guard your heart above everything else. Guard your heart, because from your heart, your whole life flows, right? Who I am, my desires, my intentions, my perspectives, everything flows out of what my heart is doing and who I am on the inside. So when we're rethinking how to be followers of Christ, you have to realize that following Jesus effectively today is going to mean a lot more than you just doing the Christian thing, showing up to church, checking off the boxes. You have to dig deeper and ask yourself, what, what is my heart captivated by? What is my imagination captivated by? What do I believe to be truly amazing? What do I actually today believe to be awesome and worthy of my attention, my energy, and my desires, right? Do I believe that the story of the Bible, the story of creation, fall, and redemption, the story of a God who will literally split the sky and 
roll up the heavens like a scroll and burn the world and make it brand new. That is the story of the Bible. This Savior died on the cross for us to free us from guilt and to give us new life, right? Do I believe that that story is real? And do I believe that that story is more epic, more beautiful, more uh, uh, desirable for me today than whatever it is that my eyes are glued to the screen on today? Is my daily experience of faith, what is your daily spiritual life like? Is it thin, shallow, lifeless? Or do you have a daily walk with Jesus that is alive? A life of prayer, a life of fellowship, a life of growth that is real. If you don't have love for God in your heart, in your gut, you are no match for whatever is coming in the world around us. Your Christianity is no Christianity, right? One of my favorite moments in the life of Jesus comes in John chapter one. John chapter one, there's this, there's this moment that it's some of the simplest moments in the life of Jesus that are most profound, right? John chapter one, uh, let me find it. The, the, John the Baptist sees Jesus walking, and the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness saying all these things, right? So the next day, John 1.35, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and so they followed Jesus. So they're kind of like walking and they're kind of stalking Jesus and he's like walking on the road and their boss man said, hey, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They're kind of like stalking him, walking, and he turns to them and he asks a question. What do you guys want? I mean, it's kind of like one of those moments in the Bible where you can just rush past it. Like, what are you seeking? What do you want? Uh, One of the Bibles translates, what do you seek? But it's one of those moments where... It's, it's the question of Jesus that is like the question for everyone. Like at the end of the day, the, the, the point of Christianity is not to tell you, you need to follow Jesus. It's even deeper than that. The point is to ask you, what do you want? What do you desire? What do I seek? What is my heart running after today? Being a real disciple, intentional discipleship, that's not just going through the motions, but actually intentionally living the Christian life and walking with God every day. It includes pausing and asking myself, evaluating, what do I want from life? What, what, what is the thing that I want the most? What do I seek What are the forces of influence that are changing my heart, that are making me, that are directing my heart? The interesting thing about that story is that Jesus then, he doesn't give them an answer that is just intellectual, like, oh, well, we want uh, the answer to how do we go to heaven? Oh, here it is, the answer, blah, blah, blah. Okay, go on and live your life now. No, that moment results in Jesus saying, oh, well, follow me. 
and then they go and hang out with Jesus for a whole day, and then they go get more people, and they end up following Jesus for three years, and then for their whole lives. So in that moment, when Jesus asked, what do you guys want, is that moment of invitation, walk with me, live a real, physical, flesh and blood life with me today. Walk with me. That's, that's the call of the Christian life. So to be a Christian is to walk with Jesus every day. And, and for us, we're like, well, we don't have Jesus. They, they are literally Jesus walking with them. We don't have Jesus walking with us. No, we have even more. Jesus said, when I'm going to leave, I'm going to give you my word, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to live inside of you. And you will experience my presence supernaturally every day. This is where we see the heart of Christian discipleship. It collides with today's culture, right? Today's culture that is a culture of mindless brainwashing entertainment and social media addiction. Again, different people to different levels. But when you look at a broad scale of what is going on around us, it is not an overstatement to say that we are entertaining ourselves to death and we are addicted to ourselves and our own images on the internet. Real Christian discipleship is awake in the physical body every day because it sees that I have these hands, these feet, I have this Bible, I have these people around me, and today I am walking with Jesus. That is fundamental reality. I am a follower of Jesus in the real world, broken and messed up as it is, right? The life that Jesus invites us into is flesh and blood, right? Christianity is not just a head thing. It's not just an emotions thing. It's not just like, well, I was at the worship night and like everybody was like this and I was like this and that means I'm not a Christian. No, like that's, that's, not, that's not the point. Our emotions are rewired. Our emotions are the result of what our heart desires. You're excited about that thing that you've been wanting and thinking about for a long time. You can't be excited about Jesus if you have no connection to Jesus in your everyday life. You will be excited about Jesus when you walk with Jesus every day. And his life given to you through the word, through prayer, through bread and wine, through worship, through coming together with the saints, through relationships with Christians. His love that flows into your heart through all these physical expressions of life, it rewires your heart and it teaches you to love new things. Think about it. Real Christianity is flesh and blood. Reading his word and praying. Bread and wine, communion, we celebrate his victory over death, weekly worship with the church, relationships in the church, evangelism, talking to lost people. This is real. And so the thing is, it's not just, oh, if I do these things, then I'll be good. No. If you do these things as you are seeking to follow Jesus, intentionally expecting his presence, welcoming his presence, asking for him to change you and work with you every day. And as you walk this lifestyle in faith, expecting the Savior, praising the Savior, thanking him, learning more about him, this is a lifestyle that transforms our desires. But you can't be preferring, 
You can't, you can't have a screen time of 25 hours a week and live this in a healthy way. It's just impossible. One will capture your heart more than the other. So, when we look at the crazy world around us, when we look at the apocalypse coming down, right, this must be our aim first and foremost. As disciples of Jesus, we have to ask, is, where's my head? Is it in the clouds? Where's my heart? Is, is my heart tied to the real Jesus? Do I love what he loves? Do I bathe myself in his truth, in his stuff that, that reshapes me? Because I know I need this stuff to feed my heart. What are the forces that are shaping your heart today? What are the influences that make you who you are? Literally, your habits, your daily things that you do every day over and over without necessarily thinking, but those things make you who you are. That's why technology, it makes us addicted to our sinful hearts because we don't even know we're scrolling so much, right? Being a disciple of Jesus means being awake and saying, my heart is fragile and I'm going to intentionally seek the Savior to fuel my heart. So practical takeaways today. We need to understand that your desires are shaped by your habits and daily practices. You will desire new things when you live differently. You just practice. You follow the Savior. Jesus just said, come, follow me. Just, you, you don't know anything yet. Just follow me. Just walk with me. And as you learn a life of obedience by walking with the Savior, he transforms your desires. He makes you new. We, we're all obsessed with the vibe these days, right? It's like, I came to church, it was a weird vibe, so I left. It's like, um, you are taking your emotions as the indicator of what is good and bad. But don't we realize that our emotions are just a result of what our heart has already learned? So if, you're, if your heart doesn't like the good stuff, then you need to teach your heart to like the good stuff. Your heart is rewired every day by your lifestyle. So be intentional about the practices that fill your daily life, especially when it comes to technology. Be intentional. Prioritize deep and meaningful friendship with Christians in your life. Have a thing that you do. Maybe once a week, make it a rule. Every once, once a week, I go for coffee with a friend or I go for lunch and we just talk like real human conversation, not like robots scrolling and texting each other, but actually talking, listening, understanding. The other thing that I would say is re-examine our relationship to the weekly life of the church. Many of us are so busy, we don't have time for church stuff, but actually it should be the other way around. Think about it. Think about what the church is. It's not the building. It's the lifestyle of the community together, week in and week out. Worship, groups, serving the community, whatever it is your church is doing. All of that is a rhythm of life with the saints. We should have a problem with our other stuff because of our church schedule, not with our church schedule because of our other stuff, right? Do we prioritize the community of the kingdom of God, the people in our life? Rediscover the richness of the biblical story. There's so many ways to, you know, each of these could be a whole sermon of its own, but like, Think about this. If your experience of God's word, if you think the Bible is dull, you're dull. It's not the Bible, right? Think about it. If this stuff is real, if it's real that God 
has become flesh. God, who has existed from all eternity, became and lived among us 2,000 years ago. He walked through the desert, and he had dust on his feet like God. You know, God died on a cross. God rose from the grave. God reigns today. God lives inside of our hearts today for Christians. Like, mind-blowing. If we consider the craziness of the Bible story, we start to then see that story play out in the world around us. Then you start to see reality differently. Then you start to see that reality is not dull. Reality is amazing. Like one author that I love, he said, if I could choose any of the imaginary worlds that, you know, Lord of the Rings world or Narnia or Star Wars, like if I could go and live there in all those crazy sci-fi worlds, you know, he's like, I would pick this world because this world is crazier than all of them. Because when you consider from a biblical lens the story of reality, every day we wake up and we're like, wow, God. Wow, what God is doing in my life. Wow, his mercy today. Wow, he's teaching me so much. Wow, these people he's given me, right? There's so much to celebrate. There's so much to have hope from. And there's so much for us to gather courage and, and, and conviction as we face a world around us that is crazy, right? Well, we know there's something beyond that. We know that there's a savior coming and we can get to work as disciples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do not leave us in our confusion. You do not leave us in our brokenness. Lord, we also thank you that you are sovereign over all events of history. You are not, you are not intimidated by this year. You are not intimidated by the craziness of the world around us. You are not intimidated, Lord, by any of us. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all confused. And yet you love us and you are excited to give us your grace every day, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the foundation, the richness of the biblical story, Lord. Help us as disciples to learn to live intentionally, grounded, feet firmly planted in our daily lives. Lord, help us to rediscover the daily life of just growing spiritually, of tasting of your word, of opening our hearts and realizing you are listening, that we can tell you everything that we're afraid about, everything that we're wondering about, Lord. Help us to rediscover the amazing truth that you are the king who loves us, who has bled for us. Lord, help us to be blown away by the gospel as disciples who live lives of intentional wisdom in a world that's going to hell. Lord, help us Help us to learn to, to diagnose the restless hearts around us. Help us to be agents of your grace, to spread the aroma of peace, joy, in a world of anxiety, restlessness, and fear. Lord, use us in this crazy time to, to reach out, to be a light, to, to spread the gospel of Jesus. And use this crazy moment in history, Lord, that feels like defeat, Use it to your victory, Lord. Teach us to embrace the amazing gifts we have as the church, as a community. And work through us, Lord, to make us shine in this world, to make us effective, to make us affirmed in the gospel, not through social media likes, 
to make us feel that belonging in the mission, in the community that we're given. Not through Twitter rants and social media comments with people who we like and agree with. Lord, help us to, to soak our roots into the kingdom community of the church. Make us fruitful disciples for your glory. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this recording. Uh, for more resources, podcast episodes, and things like that, be sure to check out well-said.org. That's kind of the online home of the podcast and the blog. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook. I always love hearing back from you guys and hearing feedback and follow-up questions. So feel free to reach out and let us know what you think. If you do have a moment to leave us a review on iTunes, that really helps other people find the show. So be sure to do that. Thank you guys again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.